song. Take your Bibles if you have them and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 24 in just a second. You may have this verse memorized. I pray if you haven't yet uh, that it is memorized. It's a short verse, but it is one that we have quoted. Uh, it was one that was in our video presentation a few minutes ago, one that we have held closely to us as a church family throughout this entire year. And it comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul is closing his first letter to the church of Thessalonica. And he writes in verse 24, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He, the Lord, calls you, the church, is faithful. And he will also do it. This morning I want to share a message really on the state of our church because it's a it's a statement it's more of a question well what do we do now for so long our prayer and our emphasis has been on 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 debt reduction among other things that the church has been doing now that all of that is over what do we do now what's in the future what's in the plans next where do we go from here how does the next chapter begin? Because we closed one chapter. How does the next one begin? And does it start uh, uh, with this area or, or this area? And there's some things this morning I want us to, to, uh, to be encouraged by. Uh, I hope you're not looking for a 10-year plan <laughs> that we're going to do for the next 10 years because that's not going to happen this morning. I learned very early in my ministry not to ever try to um, plan things in the future because a lot of times God will change that. Now there are goals and we're going to set some goals and some things that we want to strive for, but God can change all of that in the matter of a moment and we want to be flexible with that as well. But we need to prepare and we need to plan. One of the first Sunday nights I was with you, it was November the 2nd of last year. It was the second Sunday night. I'd only been on uh, the ministry field for eight days. But if you remember, we had a fish fry. That's why I, I knew this was the place to be. We had a fish fry that night. And uh, we, uh, over in the fellowship hall, and, and if you remember, I gave you a sheet of paper with some, some statistics over the last 10 years of First Baptist Church. Numbers don't lie. And as we looked at those numbers, we celebrated a couple of things, but other items were brought to light. You remember we looked at our Sunday school numbers. And as I, we mentioned those, I said, now what do you see? And he said, our, our Sunday school is struggling. It's kind of been up and down. So I said, let's begin to pray about that. We looked at our baptisms and our evangelism, and we realized that even though we are a mission-minded church, we were failing in the area of evangelism. So we began to pray about that and pray for people to be saved and for people to come to know Christ as our Savior. You saw how the debt had been reduced. And at that time, there was about 326000 uh, remaining in our debt. I said, let's pray about that. And let's see if we can get that paid for as soon as possible, whenever God allows. And honestly, we were looking at probably a one to two year process because of what has happened in the last couple of years. I said, well, if we keep doing what, we, what we've been doing, maybe about a year or two. Uh, six months later, we celebrated being, uh, being debt-free. But we looked at those numbers and we began to pray. We cast a new vision in January for our Sunday school with the three S words, study and serve and share. 
to study the Word of God, to have you a place where you can join and be a part of a small group to study God's Word, a place where you can uh, share through times of victory, also through times of trial, where you can reach out to your small group. And then also, number three was to serve, where some of you left your class to go and to serve in our nursery and to serve in our youth department and our children's department. And, and that vision has, has, has continued throughout, even till today. The backbone of our church is our Sunday school ministry. It has to be. Because a church is a place of ministry. And it's too big and too much in a corporate setting. That's why you have to have small groups. And we focused on that. And we'll continue to do that. And God has blessed us through that. We've seen growth this year in our Sunday school ministry. We began to pray for people to be saved. For people to join our church either by salvation or by baptism. And God has, has done that. More people were baptized this year than any other year in the last 10 years because of the prayers of you and the church and coming together and praying for uh, people to be saved. A lot of other things have happened this year as we've, we've come together. We, uh, one of the first things we did after, uh, after the first of the year was to uh, create a, a website. You say, well, why in the world should a church need a website? Ask everybody that has joined this church and ask them, have you been on our website? And they'll tell you, I looked on your website long before I walked in the doors of your church. And I wanted to see what was going on. That's why uh, we put choir specials. This song, the, the choir just sang, wasn't it, wasn't it a blessing? That needs to go on our website, a place where you as a member would want to go and listen to it again. But also maybe a guest who's unchurched. And they say, what's worship like? You can go on the website and there'll be 10, 15 songs on there. There's sermons on there. Uh, you can watch as well. So we, had, we, put a, a, we made an investment into our website and it continues to uh, learn more things about that, ways that we can make it more accessible to our members. We added some signs throughout our church to make it easier for guests to walk through. I remember my first time walking through with the search committee and I'm glad I was following somebody. Because I sure was lost. And I said, we got to put some signs up so our people know where, where to go, where the restrooms are at. Some of the, the most basic things. Uh, in the spring of this year, we updated our prayer list. If, you, if you're here on Wednesday night, you see our prayer list. And some of the top things that we're praying for as a church. The number one, it will always be number one on our list, is for praying for people to be saved. You still have family members. I still have family members. Not here, but maybe you have some that are here. That This is a church where they can become involved in, but they need to be saved saved and they need to come. We want to continue to pray for those. We updated our or remodeled our welcome center. It's just about complete. There's one more piece that we need to, to, uh, to, uh, to put in there and that will be coming uh, very, very soon. But we updated that to make it a welcome center, a welcoming place for people to come in to our church. We remodeled our children's wing upstairs. If you haven't seen it, it is a blessing. It's something that our children's committee or even our Sunday school teachers picking up the colors of the rooms that are up up there grateful to be able to have the opportunity to do that we created a precious blessings Sunday school class that is a special needs class that is even meeting still today uh, that could not have happened without the prayers of the people we constructed four new classrooms this spring and summer because of that we started four new Sunday school classes two of them in our youth one of them in our college class the college 20 something class and then one of them is our, our, like I said, our Precious Blessings class. We were able to relocate our library to a bigger room. And that room now ha holds Rodney Harrell's Sunday School classroom. 
We made some upgrades to our nursery this summer. We uh, restructured. This was in the, the, the fall of 2015 when our new deacons became, came on board. Our, our, we refocused our, our, our focus of our deacon ministry. Deacons are more about serving now. We are going back to what we believe is, is a biblical role of a deacon. And that continues today. Although the deacons are still involved in the business of our church and always will be. Our main focus is to serve and how we can reach out to those who are our widows or those who need ministering to this summer. In fact, the same night that we voted to become debt-free, we voted to pass a new constitution and bylaws. We appreciate the committee and their all of their hard work for that. Now we have not only a document to follow here in our church that governs the structure that we have, but we are also protected from any outside interference that may come in and interfere with the freedom that we have. I mentioned being debt-free on June the 26th. This fall, we restructured our senior adult ministry. Now it's called 55 Plus, so we're excited uh, about that ministry. There's a meeting Thursday here uh, at the church at 11 o'clock. You are invited to that. Kirk Academy Show Choir will be singing and sharing on that day, this coming Thursday. Uh, what about our choir? We created a fourth row of our choir in the fall of this year, and they are a blessing to us every single Sunday. Cannot wait uh, for next Sunday as they share in worship. We sent three teams to international missions, two to Guatemala, one to Peru. We sent a, a group of men to Kentucky of uh, the Nailbenders Ministry. Several of you individually have been involved in, in, in mission trips. All of that happened this year in the middle of a debt reduction uh, prayer process. And it just shows you what God has done, how God has used us to make a difference in His kingdom. Not just things that are here in the church, but even things that are outside. So as God continues to work, because the scripture says in verse 24, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The context of verse 24 finishes a thought in verse 23. Verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he also will do it. What Paul tells the church is there's coming a time where you as a believer, you will stand before Jesus Christ, the God who is sanctifying you today and setting you apart for his kingdom. You will one day stand before the Lord blameless and without spot and without blemish because he who calls you into salvation he will complete it and he is faithful he will finish what he has started that's why the text says in verse 24 in the present tense it was present tense in Paul's day it's present tense in our day that our God is faithful he will do it he will one day Put us in front of our Savior Jesus, blameless, without spot, where we will be forever and ever in heaven. God's always working. He always is. And He's working even today to finish what He has started. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 that we have this confidence that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So because God is not finished with you, in your spiritual growth process, God is not finished with us as a church family in our spiritual growth process.
process, we close one chapter, but we automatically open up another one because God is not finished. And until Jesus Christ comes back to take us home, our work is not complete. Our book is not finished. Our chapter continues to write of what First Baptist Church is going to be like. So there's three things I want to share from this text. Three challenges as we look to the future. And as we start this new chapter together of what God has for us at First Baptist Church. The first one is this. Asking all of us that we will remain spiritually surrendered. Spiritual surrender. What if God asks you to give up everything that you have? Could you do it? I mean, it's a question that we think about often. God, what if you tell us to give up everything that we have? Could we do it? You know what? You really don't have to answer that question. Because He's already told us. In fact, the moment that you gave your life to Christ... You gave Him everything that you have. You gave Him a heart that was stained with sin. And He forgave you. When you gave your life to Jesus, you said, Lord, you have bought me with a price. I am no longer my own. I am now yours. You have everything that I have. Everything that we have belongs to God. And we give it all back to Him. And He in turn says, okay, here's what I will bless you with. And everything that we have, from our resources, from our, our spiritual life, from our testimony, from our, our speech, our song, whatever the case, everything we have belongs to Christ. If anyone desires to come after me, Luke 9 says, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There is nobody or nothing more important than Jesus Christ in our life and the life of the church. Nothing. And no one. And as we move forward, we must move forward as a spiritually surrendered church. I remember the story, and you do, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, where, Paul, where, I mean, excuse me, where Elijah is standing on the Mount Carmel all by himself. And there are 450 prophets of Baal, and he's standing. He has already uh, 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 stood in front of King Ahab. He's already uh, 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 stood ground on the wicked King Jezebel. And he stood all by himself and says, this is God. God is God, and God is God alone. And he will send fire down from heaven and consume this wet, burnt offering. He stood on that chapter of his life as someone who is spiritually surrendered, saying God can do it all. But one chapter later he's all by himself running from a wicked king named Jezebel wishing he was dead see how quickly even one of the men in the Bible who had never died Elijah never has died even he can fall one of the hardest lessons in a church where there's really not any focus is that we lose our grip on being spiritually surrendered. And if there's anything you hear this morning, I want you to hear that. To be spiritually surrendered to Christ. That and that alone will keep the unity here at First Baptist Church. Spiritual surrender. But number two is this. Not only is it spiritually surrendered, but number two is to be passionate in prayer. Passionate 
praying. The scripture says, he who calls you, God who calls you, he is faithful. He will do it. God's work will continue. We pray that we are a part of his work. That's why our focus has been on prayer. Prayer this, we pray for this, we pray for there's nothing too small, nothing too big in the eyes of God. We pray about it. If we don't know what to do, we know exactly what to do. And that's to pray. Brother John, what about the next chapter? What are we going to do next? What are we, is, it a, is it a building program? Is it this? We're going to pray. And I believe God will speak to the church and God will help us and God will lead us in the future. Whenever there is church debt... Really, it provides a blanket because questions may come up and the answer is this. Well, we can't really do that right now. We're focusing on our debt. Well, what about this? Well, we really can't do that right now because we're focusing on our debt. So in one way, it's a blanket answer to a lot of questions. And then when the debt is taken care of, all those questions rise to the surface. Hey, how about we do this? Hey, what about that? Hey, we need to build this. Hey, we need some of that. Hey, what about this? And all of those are good ideas and good options. And all of those things are to be heard. But for us to stay on that same page, we must pray together that God would instill in our heart a unified plan and vision that we can follow along together. Now that the debt has been paid for, prayer is the only activity that will keep and will maintain the unity of the church. There are more problems in churches that are debt-free than churches that have debt. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why we need to be in debt so we can remain unified. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when you have a debt, you, there's not a lot you can do. And when all of that gets paid for... Then the conversation continues. Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. One of the, the things. Uh, there's so much in the gospels that we love. But one of the stories in the Bible that I remember most and that, that, I, that I recall many times preparing week after week after week is the night before Jesus called his disciples. Jesus was the God-man. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was the one who, who grew in the wisdom and, and nature and the stature of our Lord. He was the one who, who had left heaven's throne. But before he called his 12 disciples, the ones who were going to turn the world upside down, he spent an entire night in prayer. Jesus showed us the importance and the power of prayer. And if Jesus had to pray before he called 12 disciples to make a difference in his kingdom, then whatever we may face in the future, may we come together and we pray. The last place the devil wants to be is in a prayer meeting. But it ought to be the first place believers want to be in, is in a prayer meeting. A place where people can come together and to pray for God's direction. I wrote down a couple of things this morning as, I, as over the last several weeks and several months as we knew this day was coming. Just on my heart, I said, God, where, as a pastor, one who casts a vision, and one who, who, who offers leadership, one who doesn't have all the answers, 
but one who is placed in a position as the spiritual leader and the spiritual shepherd of, of this church. What are some things, God, that, that you can lead us to do? Some goals that we can have. I believe every church ought to have some goals. If you don't have a goal, how do you know when you get there? How do you know you've accomplished anything? How do you know that God's answered prayer if you don't know the goal that you're praying for? So I wrote down a couple of things this, this week as we began to pray. And these have been on our hearts. And, and none of this is probably going to be a surprise to you. But one of the goals that I'm praying for for 2017 is that 20%, 20% of all total offerings goes outside of this church to missions. That it never stays in this church, that it leaves. Currently at First Baptist Church, we give 10.2% to our cooperative program. But after you add all the other missions giving in our church, we are about 15 to 16% of all giving that comes in the church goes directly to the mission field. It may go to Holmes Community College, BSU. It may go to, to, to Blue Mountain College. It may go to Nailbenders in Kentucky or wherever God opens the door next year. It may go to Guatemala. It may go to a Filter Hope. It may go to Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, Margaret Lackey. It goes to a lot of to Haiti, a lot of different places. But as we pray, and as God continues to bless us in the area of our finances, especially in our missions giving, to set a goal that two out of every $10 never even stays in here, but it goes directly to the mission field to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I believe that's a very attainable goal. And it's something that we can pray about as you look at our church budget tonight as our budget and finance committee presents the 2017 budget for next year. You'll notice that the area that had the largest increase was in bold missions. Hallelujah to that. That there will be more money in 2017 from our, our budget line item going to missions than this past year. Praise the Lord for that. We are going in the right direction and uh, we want to continue to do that. Number two, what about our Sunday school? What are some goals that we had? We had some high attendance days. We had a 300 a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and our Sunday school continues to grow. But why can't we pray for 250 people on, on average in Sunday school? As we celebrate a year to have that goal. Because there are people in your classes, in your family, that you work with that need to be involved in a small group. So that would be a good goal to, to, to strive for a good goal to reach for. Can we pray for 25 people to be saved? He said, brothers, I don't know if we can ever do that. This year you've prayed and 19 people have either been saved or followed the Lord in believers' baptism. So 25, I think, is an attainable goal. Will 25 of you go to international missions next year? Will you go to Guatemala in May? Will you go to Peru with us next fall, probably November? You say, Brother John, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. We're praying for you. <laughs> you know who those 25 will be. There may be even more than that. But we want to pray that this time next year there will be 25 more people who have left the comfort zone of America and have, have gone to serve overseas for a short time and be able to come back and to share that blessing with us. Those are some goals that, that we want to strive for. 20% of our total offerings going directly to missions. 250 in Sunday school. 25 people to be saved or baptized. And then 25 to international missions. Do I believe God can do it? Absolutely. Because He who calls you is faithful. He can do it. He can do it. And then number three, the last one. We talked about being spiritually surrendered. We talked about passionate prayer. Number three is fearless faith. Verse 24, he who calls you, he's faithful. 
He will do it. Our Savior is faithful. This verse teaches the promise of eternal security that we will stand in front of Jesus and be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful. He's faithful in our salvation. He is faithful in building this campus and has God has worked through all of it. Every aspect of the kingdom of God proves that He is faithful. And because He is our Savior and we worship one who is faithful, we in turn have trusted in Him by faith. So we walk fearlessly by faith. So we pray things that are bold. We reach out to those that need the Lord Jesus Christ more than ever before because we believe that God can answer those prayers. You will never learn the true depths of God's faithfulness till you learn to walk by faith. You can't stand and say, God has been faithful to me unless you first walk by faith. So we want as a church family to walk by faith, a fearless faith. You'll never walk on water till you get out of the boat. God didn't provide a ram until Abraham put his son Isaac on the altar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never walked through the fire until they allowed themselves to be thrown in that fire. You'll never slay a giant till you first stand in the name of the Lord. 5,000 would have never been fed if it were not for a boy providing what he had. Nehemiah and the nation of Israel would never rebuilt the walls in 52 days, having facing fierce opposition were it not for a fearless faith. All of us want provision from God. God, we need you to provide this. We need you to provide that. Last week's message that my my God shall supply all of our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will not provide until there is first obedience. Obedience to God usually precedes provision from God. And as God provides, He provides on a people that is being obedient and a church family that is fearlessly walking by faith, saying, God, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can do that. Yes, you can reach that family that is lost. Yes, you can grow our Sunday school class. Yes, you can enlarge our tents. Yes, Lord, I can answer your call to go to missions. Yes, God, we can do all of that. Do you want to see what our church can do? Yes. More importantly, do you want to see what God can do? That is the question of the hour. I believe the hymn writer said it best for a day like today. In moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love He proved faithful to me. Every word He's promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I've seen my God do. He's been faithful. Faithful to me. Looking back, His love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned and even failed to believe, He's been faithful. He's been faithful to me. Church family, let's continue to be spiritually surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Let's continue to be passionate in our prayer life. Let's continue to walk fearlessly by faith, knowing that Jesus is not done 
Because he who calls you, he's faithful. He will do it. And he will see it through. I ask if you would to bow your heads this morning as we have a time of invitation. Invitation is twofold this morning. You may be here this morning. You don't know the faithfulness of God. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. He who calls you today, he may be calling you to salvation. He may be calling you saying, I have sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And today I'm calling you to salvation. And this morning, I believe if God's calling you, would you come? In just a moment after I pray, if God is speaking to your heart and He's calling you, would you come today to salvation? Would you come and say, Brother John, I want to give my life to Jesus. He is calling. He is, he is speaking to my heart. And I want to surrender my life to Him today. But I want to challenge the church to do one other thing. As we close this chapter for what God has done over the last 10 years. Would you close that chapter in your heart as well? There may be some difficulty that you may still be working through, but would you, through the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, would you say, God, would you help me to celebrate and to close this chapter? And as we look back down memory lane and we celebrate, we're now focused to the future and what God has for us in the future. You may need to come to the altar and just pray and just give the Lord what's on your heart this morning. You may want to kneel where you're at. You may want to come and say, Lord Jesus, I know I have closed that chapter. Now I'm ready to look forward. Now I'm ready to, 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 to be uh, laser focused on the goals that we have for 2017. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. And I pray that you'd use this invitation, Lord. There are those that you may be calling this morning to salvation. God, would they come? Lord, there may be those that you're calling to, to be a part of this church family, Father. I pray you'd give peace and guidance concerning that. And Lord, our members today, Lord, some who may be struggling, needing to close that chapter so they can be focused on what you would have them to do in the future. God, would you work through that? And may we, through this invitation, spend time with you and be obedient to what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to